Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. I think just being grateful for, you know, all the blessings in my life. And I've got, you know, more than anyone could imagine. So in the end, I just try to do the best I could do, you know, with uh, every situation and you understand there's a lot of people that have supported me over the time to get to this point. So I think any time you get a chance to realize your dreams and, and I've been, you know, between high school, college, pro football, doing this for almost 30 years, just so appreciative of all the different people who have helped me along the way. Just so grateful for all the experiences that I had. And um, hopefully that, you know, I can in my own way, give back uh, as best I can to, you know, other people who, maybe looking to achieve and accomplish their dreams. Anthony Heron on 670 The Score. That was, of course, the voice of Tom Brady. His 10th Super Bowl he will compete in tonight. We got another hour with you, breaking down the game from every angle that we can come up with here on Chicago Sports Radio. 670 The Score, I am Anthony Heron, and now have the pleasure, have the privilege of being joined by the aforementioned Solomon Wilcox. You can see him all over the Twitter sphere. He is at Solomon's Wisdom there. And then also you can hear him on NFL Radio on Sirius XM. He is an analyst with Pro Football Focus as well. And he has competed in a Super Bowl during his playing career with the Cincinnati Bengals. So a lot of things we can discuss with Solomon, all things under the sun. Solomon, appreciate your time this morning. How are you? Anthony, hey, um, I'm doing great. Hope you're doing well. And it's good to be back with you. It's been a while, but I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. When uh, when you look at the, the game itself tonight, there will be – I'd love to discuss a few specific sort of X's and O's aspects of things, but take us back a little bit just to your time when you were preparing to play in that Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers so you kind of know what these hours leading into the game are like it's obviously a very unique season though that these teams have gone through Tampa Bay gets to play it in their home stadium first time that's happened and Kansas City didn't show up till yesterday so you know because of everything that's going on so it's a unique year but you have been in, in a scenario in leading into the hours before the Super Bowl so what, what was that like well you know the, the clock stops moving right it's just 
seems like time stands still. You can't wait to get to the stadium to play the game. You can't wait until kickoff. But there's so many things that have to take place, so many more meetings and so many more opportunities to fine-tune your game plan and go over your adjustment checks. And and then, of course, you get to the stadium, you want to warm up, but there's all these pregame activities that the league, when they take over, it's an entertainment show for the fans and the players are kind of innocent bystanders. They're spectators to the spectacle of entertainment. And all you want to do is just get into the game and create a sense of normal. Um, and now I can tell you this, a lot has changed since we played in that Super Bowl all those years ago in 19, January of 1989. But I think the unique set of circumstances of COVID-19, playing during a global pandemic, and the unique set of circumstances surrounding this Super Bowl, you know, one team's a home team, but yet they're not letting a lot of their fans in the stadium, or not a lot of regular uh, NFL fans are in the stadium. So I think that in and of itself makes this a very unique environment and a very unique situation. And with everything that the that the players, you know, not just these two teams, but around the National Football League, the, the protocols that were in place, guidelines that had to be met, you know, positivity rate overall, NFL was able to maintain a fairly low positivity rate. When would you say was a point throughout the season that, that you felt, you know what, things are going well enough where I'm confident we'll get to today and, and a Super Bowl will end up being played? Yeah, it wasn't right around until the holidays. That, and then even then going into the holidays, you said, Hope we can hope we can survive, you know, those super spreader moments that could occur from people wanting to spend more time with families. And, you know, you're going to suffer. I think everyone in society, you're going to suffer some kind of fatigue of being absent from friends and gathering with friends and family. And I thought holiday season was an opportunity for maybe us to take a downturn and some of our positive ratings when it came to testing. But once we survived that and really got into the postseason, it wasn't until then, Anthony, I felt, I think we're going to make it, you know. <laughs> but, you know, players out there, you know, they want to celebrate after a win. They want to go out and have a good time. And that's, that's what we normally do. It's part of our culture in the National Football League. It's so hard to win a game. You put so much effort and energy into it, and there's very few moments to celebrate, very little time to do it. But those 24 hours, as you well know, after a game, that's the moment to exhale, to come together as teammates and kind of, you know, celebrate. But then that's been lost this season. Any team that did that were putting their future opportunities to continue to win, they were putting that in jeopardy. So I can tell you it was tenuous right up through the postseason, every single week. We felt like it was on the line. Solomon Wilcott's here with me on the score. Uh, let's start a little bit on the, the Tampa Bay side of things. And, of course, Tom Brady being the, the chief topic over there. I'm, I'm wondering, when you look at, at Bruce Aarons' offense and the way they moved it, scored it, Jameis Winston threw 30-plus touchdowns, over 5,000 yards. So it wasn't like they couldn't move it through the air. Where would you say, then, is the biggest difference that Tom Brady has made to turn them from a team that, you know, sort of middled around to a team that's now in the Super Bowl this season? Well, there are a couple, there was a lot of them, but the two that I will point to is turnovers. 
mm-hmm. will cost you a football game. We know this. This isn't hyperbole. We all know that to be a real true data point when it comes to winning and losing. Now, not only did Jameis Winston have 30 interceptions one year ago on a team that was 7-9 and nine and really one game away the season finale. They were one game away last year from making the playoffs. But he had 40 turnover-worthy plays. Those are plays that should have been an interception where he threw it to the defensive back, but maybe the defensive back dropped it. Or he fumbled in the backfield um, and the offensive line fell on it. Well, Tom Brady, I think he had, what, 12 turnover-worthy plays, maybe nine interceptions on the year, single digits, maybe 12, I think, somewhere in there. But Tom Brady cut the turnover rate by more than 50%. I mean, it's incredible in terms of what he did just when it came to protecting the football to leverage their ability to win. But the leadership that he brought, um, I remember you go back to a Monday night game that they lost against the Chicago Bears. They they had penalties that cost them that game, Anthony, and they could have won it easily. And Tom was hot. He was irate. And, and he went back and told him under no circumstances is it going to be allowed. They, they would make changes if that were to continue. And then I think they came back the very next week, won a game, had zero penalties in the game. So it was in the leadership and the professionalism that he brought and the work ethic that he brought, not to mention um, him being a force multiplier uh, because he's there and Dominican Sue wants to stay instead of leaving free agency. Shaq Barrett, who could have left, decide he wants to stay. Um, guys like Grant comes out of retirement. And, and, and Antonio Brown, who has made a difference on the team, he comes over. And then that makes a com- more competitive environment for Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson. So that's just a few of the ways that he's made them go from a team that, that could not make the playoffs for 12 straight years to not only making the playoffs, but now playing in a Super Bowl. Simon Wilcox with us here, joining us on the Alpamonte Ford hotline. And breaking down specifically sticking with Tampa Bay for a moment, because when we think of where Tom Brady hasn't been as successful, hasn't had his best moments, whether in the Super Bowl or postseason play at large, a lot of it comes down to pressure. And Tom Brady is what I refer to as a vertical escape guy, where he likes to climb the pocket moving forward, looking for throwing windows, and so that pressure up the middle is what really tends to, to get him rattled and throw him off rhythm. Uh, I, one point I've made this week, Solomon, has been that not only finding ways to confuse Tom Brady, because that's just that can be very difficult to do. He, he's seen everything, but trying to confuse their protection, I think, will be as important as anything for the Kansas City Chiefs today and maybe trying to get Leonard Fournette on an island in pass pro as a running back. How do you see Kansas City going about trying to trying to just throw Tom Brady off of his rhythm, maybe knock him off the spot? Well, it does start with pressure. And it starts with confusion of the protection scheme, but also with confusion with coverages because that's what Tom Brady has to read. It. But not only he, the receiver's side adjustment post-snap they got to read the coverages the same as Tom in one false step and, and, and you zig when Tom thought you should have zagged, it can lead to interceptions and Tom could be dead right and it still can lead to picks. So it's really confusing and sort of breaking down the mechanics and the operations surrounding Tom Brady, right? 
attack the other 10 guys, knowing that Tom's going to always be precise, but he needs the elements around him to also be precise. And I think you saw it against Green Bay because I thought Mike Pettin did a good job of, you know, confusing the protection. He got Leonard Fournette sliding one way. They brought pressure the other way. He was late getting there. Tom gets rid of the ball. And sometimes when Tom goes to get rid of it, he throws it up vertically or throw it up vertically out of bounds. We saw him tank it and throw it into the ground a few times too to save a sack. But those three interceptions, I think on two of them, he was just trying to get rid of it by throwing the ball up and out beyond coverage, and they end up getting picked off. There was another time he did it, and they dropped the interceptions. So he could have had four interceptions in that NFC Championship game. He's got to be better at that um, in terms of not throwing the ball away and still putting it in harm's way and not having those crucial turnovers. And then the other guys around him have to really be precise because what Tom expects, he will reward you if the mechanics around him are pure and, and secure. If they are at all break down, it, what it does, you and I know, it makes the quarterback look bad, and, and it can result into something bad for the offense and obviously a turnover. Um, for the football team. And, and that's where I think Steve Spagnuolo is going to want to leverage their ability to play great defense and break down the mechanics around Tom and turn it into winnable moments for the Chiefs. Tom and Brady only two and three versus Steve Spagnolo defenses. So for whatever reason, there is the, the secret sauce. If there is one, Spagnolo seems to have figured it out to continue to keep Tom Brady as rattled as possible. All right, let, let's shift gears and go over to the opposing side then with Patrick Mahomes. And I've, I've been making the comparison between kind of what we saw for, for a handful of years in the NBA where the Golden State Warriors just seemed like this, this insurmountable offensive juggernaut. Like They were good on defense too, but when it came down to it, you just couldn't hold down the way that the Dubs were going to shoot the ball well enough to defeat them consistently. And it feels like the Chiefs over the last couple of seasons here – have become that in the National Football League. No lead is big enough. No defense has been able to dissect how you force some of the mistakes you were talking about from Tom Brady. We don't see Patrick Mahomes making those types of mistakes. Is this an offense? Is that really, is is it that simple, just that the Chiefs have too much offense and and have become sort of an insurmountable force in that way? Yeah, I I don't believe any offense is unstoppable. I think... If it's not stoppable, you can certainly slow them down. You can force them to make mistakes and sort of pull the pin on their own hand grenade. Now, the Chiefs have been a tough one to figure out, having won 25 of their last 26 ball games, And Mahomes has shown the ability to come back when you get comfortable with a lead late. He can make it disappear in a hurry. Their speed, their quickness, and obviously play design – They've leveraged the combination of those things to really create a juggernaut. Um, I truly believe that they're beatable. I, I think with the offensive line missing three of their five starters from last year's Super Bowl, I think there's a narrow pathway to victory against the Chiefs. I think it starts with pressuring Patrick Mahomes with four. Don't try to blitz him. He'll make you pay. And all you're doing is playing into his hands. I think you've got to be careful not to get caught in man coverage, at least until you get down inside the red zone. I think you've got to bleed them. You've got to make them play patient, small ball. Don't let them throw the ball over your head. 
tackle everything in front of you. Don't give them explosive plays. I think they will get sort of a little bit uneasy having to play from behind. And they'll force some things. They will. We saw it last year against uh, the 49ers. You know, 49ers did a great job up until eight minutes to go. And then the pass rush kind of broke down, got tired, and they got greedy on the back end and gave up a few plays. And then Patrick Holmes sort of solved the problem. But a cover two man when you play man, quarters coverage when you play zone, disguise those looks with the same alignment and then morph and move post-snap to your assignment and do not let them throw the ball over your head. And then you've got to move the double coverage from Kelsey to uh, Tariq Hill in ways that they're not going to be able to pick up on it pre-snap. Now, all that I explained is easier said than done. (laughs) Much Much more complex than that, as you well know. But that's the pathway, and I said it was narrow. Um, it's not a broad, uh, a broad, uh, you know, pathway to victory when it comes to playing the Chiefs. That's why they're trying to repeat a Super Bowl champion. And for Todd Bowles uh, and as the defensive coordinator, like just looking at some of the the PFF numbers, there's really only a few defenses that have blitzed more consistently this season: Baltimore and Pittsburgh, being a couple of them that blitz with, with a higher percentage at a rate that goes beyond what we've seen blitz-wise from Tampa Bay. So what what will be that balance for Todd Bowles then where, you know, he will want to, I would imagine, have his team playing with a with a temperament, with an aggression that they're accustomed to, while, to your point, finding moments to throttle it back and just make sure you got enough bodies in coverage to contain what Kansas City throws at you. Well, our PFF database uh, is very clear on this, is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Shaq Barrett, um, with JPP and Indomitian Sue, they have accumulated 138 total pressures throughout the regular season and postseason. Just combined amongst those three when rushing four defenders, by far the most of any three defenders on any one team when rushing four. So they've got three guys who can get home when rushing four. Uh, the real key is, is you've got to avoid blitzing until you get down in the red zone. If you're Todd Bowles, you're going to stick your flag in the ground once they get to the 20-yard line. And then that's where where the windows become smaller, where their speed, the speed of Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and uh, Nicole Hartman is negated down inside the red zone. You can't run away from people in the red zone. So now you can blitz. Now you can play a little bit more man without showing it pre-snap. That's the key. And so you're going to pick your spots when you're going to blitz. But you don't want to force, you know, Carlton Davis and, you know, Jamel Dean to have to cover these speedy receivers across every blade of grass when you got 80 yards of field to cover. You do not want to do that. But once the, the field shrinks, those coverage windows shrink, now you're playing with house money against uh, against Patrick Mahomes, forcing to try to force the ball into coverage quickly while blitzing down inside the red zone. I think that's what the data supports, and I think it makes uh, it makes it very difficult for the Chiefs' offense because that's not the game they want to play. Salma so Wilcox of NFL Radio, also an analyst with Pro Football Focus, with us here on six seventy The Score on Twitter at Solomon's Wisdom, and w- with Kansas City's offense you you referenced the the pass protection 
that could struggle with the amount of starters that they're going to have out up front. Is there a way then for Todd Bowles to factor that in and recognize that, you know what, maybe we're not going to see Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid. Maybe they just won't be quite as confident in some drop-back moments, and, and we may see a lot more pressure release from the Chiefs in facing Tampa Bay's defense. Is there a way that can be part of the Buccaneers' game plan and knowing that they're, they're just not as competent up front as the Chiefs normally are? No, I, I think they know that Andy Reid's not looking at themselves as incompetent. I don't think that, you know, Todd Bowles know they, they're going to do what got them here. And until you prove you can get pressure with four, they're going to do it. They're going to drop back and they're going to try to make plays. Now, if their pass protection breaks down in, in the drop back game, I think Todd Bowles has already anticipated that Andy Reid is going to do some of the things he's been known for, and that is the quick screen game, right? That's the quick half rollout stuff, get the pocket moving, something that Mahomes could do. Hey, if, if Andy Reid was playing with Tom Brady, this stuff would be off the, off the table. <laughs> There's no way he would even be able to dis- design such plays. But you can move the pocket against a bigger defensive line when your offensive line is, is not up to the task of being able to hold up against bigger, faster, stronger defensive linemen. You've got to get them running. You've got to wear them down. That's what they did to Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner, and that formidable defensive front against the 49ers last year. All you got to do is go to that tape, and you can see exactly what the Chiefs did to create success for themselves later in the game against the defensive front that were giving them fits earlier in the game. And that's when they had both of their starting offensive tackles and their talented guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who's now who has opted out for the season. He's serving as a doctor on the front lines fighting COVID up in Canada. Um, and so they, you know, if you're, if you're Tampa Bay and if you're Todd Bose, you have some understanding for how Andy and, and Eric B will address what you're about to bring to the table. Now you've got to be ready for that. too. you got to be ready to keep, you know, Patrick Mahomes from getting to the edges and getting outside to be able to buy time and ex- extend pass plays. Got to get your hands up on the quick passing game. So you got to do that to be able to keep him in that pocket while still generating pressure. And but before we run here, Solomon, one of the things I was talking with some callers earlier in the show about was just memorable Super Bowl moments. And one of the things that came up, producer Mike Rankin actually played the clip coming out of break, was one of the Super Bowls that you covered between the Ravens and the 49ers and the power outage that was in New Orleans. Just kind of take, take us back to that moment. What's that? I mean, you've been in a lot of different broadcast scenarios in your life, but to be live, not just on national television, you're live internationally covering the Super Bowl and the lights go out during that game, man. What was that like? Well, fortunately, it was panic, you know. It's like, <laughs> uh, and, you know, you, you work in broadcasting, you know what it's like. You know, I cut my teeth in local television in the Cincinnati area for a local NBC affiliate. And you've got to stay calm when things break down. And and uh, I remember when those lights went out, there were a lot of people kind of behind the scenes. They were screaming in my ear. You could tell no one knew what was going on, let alone to try to have a plan. And uh, so I immediately started to try to understand what was going on. And then once 
I knew we were going to stay on the air. And I, I was, you know, in charge of covering the sideline over for the Baltimore Ravens. I go over, immediately want to talk to Coach uh, John Harbaugh, and I said, what are you telling your team at a moment like this? <laughs> and I think he was kind of half joking, but half serious. He says, I don't know. What should I tell him? <laughs> and, 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 you know, because, hey, listen, we were in uncharted waters. And I said, Coach, I said, you know the coach over on the other side better than anyone. What do you think your brother's over there telling his team? You just ran back the opening kickoff to start the second half. He's going to use this time to rally his team. And you better tell your guys to get ready because they're getting ready to make a rally. And you're going to have to weather the storm. You better get these guys together because look at them. And I pointed over there. I said, look at him. He got his guys going, and he's going to use this game stop if you can see momentum swing. Oh, Coach Harbaugh ran over, gets his guys together. I could hear him over there giving the speech, and now I got to get back on the broadcast. And so then they're Solomon, what's going on down there? Oh, I just talked to Coach Harbaugh, and I, you know, so, so it was. And I was able to give a report about what I told him and about what he's talking and saying to the team. It was it was really hilarious because I could I did not want to go on the air and say that Coach Harbaugh is telling his team what I told him to say. (laughs) But I did share what he told them, but I didn't attribute myself as the source. I didn't think it was appropriate, but I laugh at it all the time because that's exactly what happened. I can now tell that story. Uh, You should have just gone over in the middle of the huddle, giving them your own little pep talk. That would have worked out just fine. Hey, man. See, I've been close to that team, and I know Ray. I know Ed. I've known, uh, you know, Ozzie Newsom for years and knew Coach Harbaugh when he coached at Miami of Ohio, uh, work, me working in the local market in Cincinnati. And so I just felt comfortable being able to talk to him that way. And you and I both, that's what reporting is all about. It's about not panicking, you know, as a reporter, particularly a sideline reporter, but whether you're covering, you know, the community doing a riot or whatever, you are boots on the ground. You are the eyes and ears of the broadcast in the midst of everything that's going on. And you have direct access to credible sources, whether it's coach or the players. And I was able to tell what I was seeing, what I was hearing, and the conversations I was having. That was my job at the time. And, you know, later when I saw the skit on Saturday Night Live when they <laughs> sort of did a reenactment of the deer in headlights so many people had that night, I was proud when I didn't make the skit, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no doubt. One of the best in the business, as always. Stellar stuff, Solomon. Really appreciate your time, man. Enjoy the game today. Hey, keep up the good work. I'm wishing all the best to you. Hope you and your family are safe, and you take care of yourself. Thank you, my friend. That is the great Solomon Wilcox. He's on Twitter at Solomon's Wisdom. You can find him as an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and also he's all over NFL Radio for Sirius XM. We'll take a time out here, come back. We're taking you up to noontime where Mully and Hall will take over. They've got a special Super Bowl Sunday edition of the Mully and Hall Show. And then, of course, there will be Super Bowl pregame here that is on the score leading up to the broadcast of the game itself that you can hear here this evening. But 
we were sharing some Super Bowl stories earlier. Would love to continue hearing some of those from you at 312-644-6767. That is the phone line. And also, I'm going to check out the text line, see what's happening out there. There's some chatter about some Super Bowl memories on the text line as well. But also, this Carson Wentz scenario, we'll see if it does play out. If it does, what are the other options the Bears have? We still got a little time to have that discussion also. So time out on the way here. More of your thoughts on the other side of this break on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And we got to keep our poise, right? My mom sent me a little meme, and it was Tom with uh, Mahomes on on back of his uh, shoulders, like Mahomes is like a baby, but in Kansas City uniform. And it was like, take your son to work day, February 7th. It was just classic because Mahomes could really beat Tom's son. As far as the age, Gronk, just to be specific, Tom Brady's old enough to be Patrick Mahomes' dad. That's, you know, just just numbers-wise is the point Gronk is trying to make there for how Tom Brady could be Patrick Mahomes' father. That was the voice of Gronk himself, Rob Gronkowski. Funny moment where he was discussing things with I usually say the assembled media. I guess they still assemble on Zoom to a certain extent. But not a lot of of controversy this week uh, just leading up to the Super Bowl, you know, as far as just making those types of memories. Uh, You know, they had the the barber for the Chiefs apparently, like, you know, had a positive covert result that came back in the midst of cutting a bunch of guys' hair. So, you know, they, they had to send him packing real quick. Guys left with their fades incomplete and whatnot, but they got that figured out in time to get on the plane and make But I will tell you this. If he's cutting my hair and halfway done and they tell him he got to stop, oh, he finishing my head. I'm not going <laughs> to walk out with a half. No, I'm not doing that. So, yeah, the uh, air girl had the, the half fade, or at least would have, but, uh, but they found a way to get it finished up. They completed those. Uh, so if there wasn't a lot of, of legit controversy that happened during the week, which is fine, which is all good, because either way, the game itself is what folks will be tuned in for. They'll be locked and loaded for that. And it seems like regardless of what's gone on here in recent years, I think the, the teams, the players, because everyone's grown up kind of seeing the, the Super Bowl, the week of the game and the day of the game, the coverage of the game become this international sensation that it's become that it does seem that both teams have sort of figured out just, you know, not just these two, but the teams in recent years here have figured out how to be just on their best behavior in addressing things with the media and not, uh, not carousing too much, running the streets at night and making sure they're not going to, not going to be the headline. The game itself should be the headline. And in recent years, that's really what this thing has sort of shifted into. I did want to make note, uh, in addition to the Hall of Fame announcement coming out, the NFL honors were last night as well. And so many of you probably are aware at this point, uh, Aaron Rodgers was named NFL MVP. That one has become largely a, a quarterback award, kind of like the Heisman. But NFL MVP, no surprise there. Aaron Rodgers, Packers quarterback, who will continue to be, regardless of everything that kind of went on after the, the Packers lost in the NFC title game and Aaron Rodgers kind of, you know, riding the fence with that a little bit. I didn't think he was going anywhere. Wouldn't have made sense for him to leave. Wouldn't make sense for Green Bay to want him to leave, regardless of when they drafted uh, Jordan Love. Aaron Rodgers is one of and perhaps the best quarterback in football. It's either him or Mahomes at the moment. So why would the franchise want to move on from him right now? (laughs) And there's no better situation, Mike Rankin, for him to move on to at the moment either. 
Uh, so he won league MVP, no surprise there. Offensive player of the year, Derrick Henry, running back from the Titans, 2,000 rushing yards on the season. Congratulations to him. It, it is a little bit odd when you think about it that you, if you're the offensive player, you can win offensive player of the year, but not league MVP. Two different awards, so at least you're able to honor both guys in that way. Uh, another unsurprising uh, award and honor Aaron Donald, another defensive player of the year award. Three times for him now winning NFL defensive player of the year. Offensive rookie of the year went to Justin Herbert, quarterback from the San Diego or from the L.A. Chargers. And uh, Chase Young, the defensive end from Washington, he won defensive rookie of the year in the National Football League. And not not necessarily statistically a stellar season when you look at just the, the sheer sack numbers, but you look at the variety of ways they were able to use him, the pressure that he put on the opposing quarterback and forcing fumbles and those things. And Chase Young certainly lived up to his billing this year, being the defensive rookie of the year in the National Football League. Coach of the year, uh, fitting Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland, wins that award, and comeback player of the year goes to Alex Smith in Washington. And that's one where they, they may need to go ahead and just name that award after Alex Smith for everything that he went through to get back to the point he's at right now in, in being able to not only step onto the field, but be the key cog in, in leading Washington towards a division title. Now, a division title in one of the worst divisions we've seen in recent years in the NFL, but a division title and a playoff berth nonetheless for a guy that had, what was it, like 17 surgeries. They talked about cutting off his leg, talked about maybe he wouldn't even live through the thing. And here he is, the discussion about Alex Smith throughout the bulk of his rehab was just that he was using the non-retirement just as a motivator just to get himself back to sort of a representative quality of life. Most folks didn't believe he would ever actually play football in the NFL again, and there he is. Yes, I'm just looking at him at 17 surgery, 693 days later that he finally made his return to football Talked about amputating the leg. Talked about him maybe never walking again. And there he was out there throwing touchdowns, completing passes, winning games as as a quarterback and then as a starter again in the National Football League. So Alex Smith, one of a, a number of names that have been sort of bandied about for the Bears. That, that one wouldn't make a lot of sense, I think, for where they're at as a franchise. I would have felt better about even a, a Teddy Bridgewater probably a year ago but it feels like, and I, I don't think it's, the Bears certainly aren't in 2021 going to be a Super Bowl or bus team, but I, it feels to me like the results need to be ascension or bust. Like not just show potential, but have some legit results of wins, legit results of, of looking like a team that can advance throughout the playoffs. And, you know, making the playoffs as the extra squad this season in the NFC. I don't think many of us really thought going into that playoff game that the Bears had a shot at really making a playoff run. So to me, I think the results in the least need to look like that. And Alex Smith is not a quarterback who I think necessarily puts you in that position. So that wouldn't make sense. And a lot of other quarterbacks and, and the names that have been bandied about will stay put. The point I made earlier is one that I think is is worthy of concern for depending on who ends up being the Bears quarterback that that's going to be behind center for them in 2021. Now, Nick Foles, he was what he was as the Bears starter when he was in games, and it was against better defenses than most of the defenses that Mitch Trubisky had to face this season, but Nick Foles played poorly, played very poorly throughout the bulk of the time he was in the lineup for the Bears this year. So 
whatever confidence they had that he could at least be sort of a competent starter and be the guy, show himself as the guy who beat out Carson Wentz. Their confidence was lost enough where they put Trubisky back in the lineup, finally adjusted the offense, and there's Mitch at least playing competent football. So maybe, maybe Nick Foles ends up being a part of a trade to bring in another QB. It seems like the most likely possibility for that could be in Philadelphia where that brass has at least seen the best of Nick Foles in multiple stops there with the Eagles. In the end, though, you got a new regime in there. So is there enough faith to feel like Nick Foles can be a part of a solution there in Philadelphia if they were to move on from Carson Wentz? That may seem, may feel a bit far-fetched as well. Going to get a couple more Super Bowl memories in here on the other side of our final timeout. We're leading you up to noontime where Mullion Hall will take over as we get a special Sunday edition, a Super Bowl Sunday edition of the Mullion Hall Show where they're going to take you up to Super Bowl pregame coverage here on the score. And then, of course, the big game, like you hear folks refer to it as the big game when, when there's like a sponsored element, when there's a promotion going on, you can't call it the Super Bowl. I'm just talking about the game right now. So Super Bowl 55 is going to be right here tonight on the score so keep it locked here throughout as you have this morning and all throughout the afternoon leading into the game itself one segment to go i'm anthony here we got mike ranking on the other side of the glass here more of my and perhaps your super bowl memories coming up on the other side of this timeout on chicago sports radio 670 the score yeah i mean the super bowl is the super bowl uh being able to go up against one of the one of the greatest not the greatest quarterback of all time in his 150th super bowl i mean it's going to be a great experience for me i mean to, to go out there and get to get, have a chance to repeat and get to do it against the best i mean it's uh it's something special and i'm excited for the opportunity anthony heron on 670 the score and it is on a super sunday just hours away from the Super Bowl. It's been a fun morning. Just kind of leading you along the way here, getting some of your calls and texts in as well. As the game approaches, I've already said earlier, as I've been saying for the last couple of weeks here, I believe the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win the game. I don't think it's going to be some sort of a big blowout. I think that Todd Bowles and that Buccaneers defense will certainly do enough to make it make it more than competitive, and maybe it'll even be some late-game dramatics that we have to see from Patrick Mahomes to get it done in a game where I I would anticipate some points will get scored. No disrespect to either defense. I I do think that both defenses are, you know, they they call the game in an aggressive manner, whether Bowles or Spagnuolo, and, and both will get after the opposing quarterback. The difference in this game will be that Kansas City, as they get after Tom Brady, we certainly, we've seen it throughout his career, and certainly at the age of 63, Tom Brady at this point, the, the second reaction possibilities just aren't there for him. It, it has to be in rhythm. It has to be on time. It has to be blocked up. And if it's not, then Tom Brady will either just eat the ball and take the sack or, as we've seen, he will put the ball in harm's way and Kansas City needs to be willing and able to make those plays, to get those interceptions, get those takeaways. Whereas for Patrick Mahomes, when they heat up Mahomes, yeah, he's, he's sackable. But when you miss him, when he extends the play, then that second reaction is where, I mean, it's one of a number of ways where he is just absolutely elite. He is amongst the most special talents we've seen at the position. And so that mobility that can hurt you as a true runner with his legs, picking up yards, perhaps even rushing for touchdowns. But a lot of the chunk plays for Kansas City tend to come as Mahomes continues to run 
with a passing temperament on the move, keeping his eyes down the field as you hear folks like myself talking about. And when he does that, having Travis Kelsey, having Tyreek Hill, having Miko Hardman, having just a, a slew Sammy Watkins of, of, of weapons to be able to deliver it to, then that's where a lot of the chunk plays tend to come from. So if they find a way, if, if they can get home, and yes, the, the offensive line being depleted, having no Eric Fisher, no Laurent Duvernay, Tardif, having those individuals being out, it's certainly a big deal. So if they can get home and not maybe not even just get sacks, maybe force turnovers, get takeaways from Mahomes, force some fumbles, then that, of course, puts Tampa Bay in a better position because not only do you take the ball away from Mahomes and that Chiefs offense, but you can perhaps give it to your offense, give it to Tom Brady and strike territory. And one thing I pointed out, I think a level of aggression that would be there, perhaps it's not as much between the 20s when you're facing Tom Brady, maybe it is more in the red zone when you're facing Tampa Bay's offense because Brady isn't as likely to to make those mistakes, to have the errors once you get in the red zone as some other quarterbacks. And so for two defenses that don't mind additional pressure, don't mind bringing five-plus, I'd say perhaps you see an, an approach that's that's a little more conservative between the 20s, and then once you get down in the red zone, maybe that's where – they try to sort of force Tom Brady's hand as opposed to trying to get aggressive out in the field. There's a lot. There's plenty of pass rushers on both sides of the field here where both teams, both Kansas City and Tampa Bay, can and should feel comfortable and confident that they can get home without bringing pressure, but you do want to show a variety of looks to the opposing QB. But Chris Jones, Frank Clark, they can get home for Kansas City. Folks, maybe not. You know, they don't talk about them quite as much because we pay so much attention to what happens on the Chiefs' offense. But it's a quality pass rush they have over there. One thing that's worthy of note, worthy of watching throughout the game will be the back end for Tampa on their defense. Where Antoine Winfield Jr., he's been banged up recently. Jordan Whitehead, both safeties expected to play in the game tonight. But as they do, are they really at full tilt? You know, are, are they going to be in a position where you can see them, especially with, with some of the extended plays, the second reaction moments from Mahomes, and they're chasing Hardman and Hill and Kelsey and whoever the matchup may be against those safeties as they're chasing them all over the field. Are they going to be in a scenario where perhaps if they don't feel quite as, as fit and ready physically or, or if that, that torn labrum for Whitehead, if he's in a position where he's trying to reach out for a tackle in a moment where maybe he doesn't quite make that arm tackle because he's not at 100%. I'm just, I'll, I'll be watching the safeties for Tampa Bay closely in tonight's game as well. Stylistically, both quarterbacks couldn't be more different. It does feel to me like what we've seen from the career of Tom Brady will, will be very hard to emulate. It, you know, I, I don't, it, it feels far-fetched that anyone will ever duplicate this, this volume of Super Bowl runs. But the thing is, in the quarterback discussion, I had this with, with Parkins a couple of different times over the last couple of months, let's say, in referring to Tom Brady as the GOAT, he's had the greatest career in the history of the National Football League for, for success. He's certainly not the most talented individual at the quarterback position we've seen. And whether you're talking one game or one series or one season, that's that's a different thing because there have been quarterbacks who've done sort of one-offs better than Tom Brady. It's the compilation of his career that is just so magnificent. It's second to none. And now you have Patrick Mahomes on the doorstep of being able to showcase 
the the Aaron Rodgers level physical traits, but then on the front end at just 25 years old of maybe because he's got perhaps the best play caller in the National Football League and a head coach who is is maybe just in his prime. You know, you can be in your prime up to an advanced age as, as a head coach, and he's got talent all around him. He's got an even better defense than he had early in his career. Maybe we're witnessing the front end of Patrick Mahomes combining those unique all-time physical traits at the position and certainly the acumen to get it done at a high level, but also being surrounded by an organization and infrastructure that can allow him sustained greatness, not just of individual play, but sustained greatness of winning. May not just be a ring, may not just be two Super Bowl appearances. This may be a run perhaps similar to what we saw in New England. It's asking a lot. It'll be a long time before we can really say it's on par with that, but it's going to be a special thing we get to watch and really the only time probably we will see Mahomes versus Brady on a Super Bowl stage. So enjoy tonight. Enjoy the coverage on the score throughout the day today. My thanks to Jason Goff and Solomon Wilcox for joining me on the show. My thanks to Mike Rankin on the other side of the glass for holding it down for me. Thanks to all you for calling and texting in. Mully and Hall on the way next, leading up to Super Bowl pregame coverage. And then, of course, the Super Bowl itself. Make sure you keep it locked right here all day and all night on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.